This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelonics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelonics. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changing Channels. As the lady says, I'm Larry Walsh, and of course, I am on a mountain today. Sort of, I suppose. Um, like I've, uh, I was, I read a book back in the late '90s, which really was remarkable, uh, called *In the Thin Air* by a writer by the name of John Krakauer. Fantastic writer. I've read all of his books. This was the first point of entry uh, about the disaster that happened on Everest. Uh, they've made a couple of movies about it, where you know, because people died, you know, due to over tourism and you know, uh, going beyond safety protocols. Um, the point of it, though, was, and one of the things on my big takeaways of it was, is that there is this lure of event of adventure. We all seem to be pulled towards it. Um, the reality is, is that not all of us act on it, and not all of us are willing to accept risk or deviate from the norm. And that's why I thought it'd be fun to have. And I'm really, and I'm going to promise you that this is an unscripted and a free-form conversation. This is the reason why I asked our friend Louise McAvoy, the VP, the Vice President of U.S. Channels at Trend Micro, to come join us because she's been on this mountain. So summited, summited. Yeah. You know, true, true mountaineer, Louise. So yeah, there's a difference between being on the mountain and summiting the mountain. So I actually had someone say, "Oh, I I thought you only got to Camp One." I'm like, "No, to the top." I mean. Can't just say you've been on the Everest. You have to go to the top. It's top yeah, you know, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you what. I will. I can't say that I have summited a mountain. What mm-hmm. I can say is that I've been over several mountains. You know, in the comfort of a plane. plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It's a. It's a lot warmer. I'll just say that. You know. So anyway. So Louise, thanks for joining us on Changing Channels. You know, I want to start with this because I really am fascinated about your adventures as a mountaineer. Uh, in addition to being a channel leader and driving sales, and I mean that's all, you know, that's all easy compared to the mountain stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what? Let's come back to because you were inspired to go to Everest by in the by the book Into Thin Air by Krakauer. Mm-hmm. What was it? Because that was not a feel good story. What was it about that that was the lure that got you to got you to Everest? Mm-hmm. Well, Larry, I want to say thank you for inviting me onto the show. It really is an honor to be here, so th- I want to say thank you for that. Um, Everest um, is my f- – sorry? I was going to say it's an honor to have you summit our podcast. Wow, good job. Thank you. There you go, right? <laughs> so Everest, you know, I, I always like, – I talk a lot about Everest. It's really one of my – it's my baby. And it, it wasn't because I grew up thinking, oh, I need a summit Everest. I didn't really know Everest existed as a something that people could do. I just knew it was the tallest mountain in the world, but who gets to the tallest mountain in the world? And it was through a series of events, peoples and people and emotions that I picked up that book. I moved countries. I moved here from Canada to the U.S. I was lonely. Someone suggested I read a book. So I had nothing to do on the weekends. I did. And I was fascinated by the story. And then I made a promise to myself that I would see Everest in real life, not summit it. I literally just wanted to see the mountain in real life. And four years later, I got laid off from my job. And I decided I'm just going to turn lemons into lemonade. And I went online that night and found a trip leading to Kathmandu, Nepal, two weeks later. And they had 16 spots. One was left. It was calling my name. I booked and jumped on a plane. Two weeks later, I went. So, so let me get this straight. 
you had never been on a you had never climbed a mountain prior to Everest. Mm-hmm. No. So your your first trip up a hill was to the tallest mountain in the world. No, I only went to base camp at, to Everest, which is at seventeen thousand five hundred feet, because I just wanted to see the mountain in real life, and I knew by doing that trek to base camp that I could see the mountain. And I saw the mountain in real life, and I it was it's just beautiful. It the region is beautiful, the Nepalese people are beautiful. The experience was more than I expected. And I looked at the mountain and I made a promise to myself, a second promise. I fulfilled the first one by seeing the mountain. I made a second promise that I was going to climb the mountain. And I say this because I think everyone has is on a journey, and I had no idea that moving countries would get me to the summit of Everest. And it was because I was lonely, because I picked up a book, because I got laid off that set me on that journey. And I always, I still reflect back on, you know, if things are going bad for me right now, well, maybe it's part of that journey. Maybe I need to experience that emotion or I have to, you know, I, we need to meet each other because we're, we're on a path to some other summit. And I look back and I reflect, I'm like, I had to go through all that bad, that good and whatever to get to the summit because if I didn't move countries, if I didn't get laid off, if, 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 it wouldn't have happened. So I'm grateful for all of it. So, you know, again, you read this book, not a feel good story. Several people died during that, tra- during that tragic incident. And then, you know, there's a, been a lot of talk about over tourism on Everest as a result of the exposure that came from that. And yet you still went. What was going through your head, though, in terms of were you doing any sort of like personal risk analysis as you're as you're saying, I'm committing to going to a place where there's no oxygen? No, it didn't really occur to me because when I read the book, it wasn't about summiting the mountain at that time. It was really just seeing the mountain. It sounded beautiful. It was something, it was an adventure. It was something I really thought this was, it really struck a chord with me and I don't know why. Um, and then just the, just the hike into base camp was incredible. I've always been in training mode. I, I've always been athletic. So getting to Everest base camp wasn't a big deal. And um, I just didn't really think much about it. What I didn't think anything about that I didn't realize at the time would I be, that I'd be spending three weeks in a tent. I just thought base camp, you stay wherever. I didn't realize I'd be in a tent for three weeks. That was my surprise, my biggest surprise. Yeah. <laughs> So what was it when you actually started your ascent? What what, what was the, the 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 experience like? What was it that was you know? Because I've again I've only seen Everest from this perspective behind me. Um, yeah. You know what's it like to stare up at the tallest peak in the world and knowing that the your the, the direction you're going in each step forward is a step towards the top. So good questions and. I was, I don't know if most people know, but it takes seven weeks to summit Everest. So it's not as though you go to base camp and then you just go straight up. You have to acclimatize. So you go to base camp, you acclimatize there. It's a 17,500 feet. Then you go to camp one, you stay a night, you come back down to base camp. You, you might do a couple of little treks around base camp and then you go up maybe a week later to camp two and then you stay overnight at camp two and then you come back down. And so it's, it's this long, long journey. And then when you finally you wait out the weather, you wait out all kinds of things. And then they say, okay, we have enough weather window that, you know, for the amount of time it takes us to go from base camp to sleep at camp two, to sleep at camp three, to rest at camp four, summit, sleep at four, sleep at two and come back down. That's another full week. So you need a weather window, a full week. So you just, 
hope and pray that this is going to be your time. And you have no idea if you've just spent all this money and time and effort and all the sacrifice, you have no idea. I was exhausted because I got really, really sick. I got what's called the Kumbu cough, which is inhaling dry glacier air. So I coughed and coughed and coughed nonstop. When you've got that big mask on, you've got your big goggles and you're claustrophobic to begin with and you can't breathe. There's less oxygen and I got a chest cold. So I just, I just couldn't breathe. And I felt defeated, but I knew that this is what I wanted. Yeah. And here's, maybe I'm getting ahead of ours because we aren't scripted. But what I learned is we're actually stronger than we think we are. I was really, really sick. I pulled two ribs coughing. I couldn't even get out of my sleep. I couldn't like get up from my sleeping bag. I had to put my arms back behind me to push myself up. And I... I realized I, I can do this. I'm, I'm stronger than I think. And I just, I did it because I, I really, really, I, I felt like I, I made a conscious decision to put aside the pain, acknowledge that it's there and just keep moving forward. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say is that I, I, I can empathize probably is the wrong word here. I can understand or at least relate to what you're saying, because again, I've not had your experience, but I did read that same book in fascination thinking about exactly what you're talking about, the acclimatization of, to the altitude, to the thinness of the air, the having to shuttle and carry uh, air bottles up and down, um, crossing, uh, crossing the ladder bridge over the ravine. And, you know, I, I mean, even that in my head, I'm seeing her going, are these people crazy? And then, and, and then on top of that, getting over the ice wall and then up to the peak. And I mean, this is, this really does require perseverance and resiliency, but even just courage, just plain courage to move forward. It does. And I, I think it's, for me, it was, it was courage, resilience, but I really, really felt a connection to the mountain. I had been training, I trained 14 years for this mountain and, you know, I've climbed many, many mountains before this in preparation for this. This wasn't just, I picked up a book. I was just, I'm just going to move. I'm just going to go to Nepal. It wasn't like that at all. I did a lot of training beforehand. I did a lot of other mountains and it was, I think when you want something bad and you train hard enough and you, I think it, you just build this sense of, okay, this is the next step. This is the next most logical step. And for me, it was Everest. I really, really wanted to be on the mountain. And and it wasn't just about the summit. I did very little social media posts. It wasn't like, hey, look yeah. at me, look at, it wasn't about that at all. It no. was more about, this is something that I felt strongly about. And I, it's hard to even articulate. Um, to this day, I still read all the blogs on Everest. I have a Google alerts on Everest. So I know what's going on. I, lo- I know the latest news. I I read all about the mountains all the time. This is it's like it's part of my brand. It's in my DNA. I, and yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and so let's, uh, Mariah, can we bring up, you know, I think we have a little something we can look at here because Louise, I'd like you to, to take a look. This is you. Uh, this is you on the top of Everest. And uh, granted, we can't see the mountain itself because it's underneath you. Um, yeah. but, and you're, of course, you're flying your colors. I mean, that's you, beautiful. The trend micro, you know, did you brought the flag up with you, but mm-hmm. I am, I do want to know why I know that your time up there at the peak itself is limited, yeah. you know, but I can only imagine the view. What was that view? Like, what were you thinking when you actually got to the top of the world? I, I, I you know, 
a lot and then a lot of nothing because I, I was really tired. It, when I got to camp four, we don't, you don't sleep that night. We got there, we rested a little bit, changed out our oxygen bottles, and then we took off at 10 o'clock that night. We had a lot of people on those lines or the ropes, and it took 13 hours to get to the summit. And that's a long, 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 long day of being cold and tired and stressed and not eating, not drinking. And so by the time we get to the summit, and I didn't know if I was actually going to get there. We, were, we had clouds that were coming in, and it's stressful. I was really cold and the lines on those ropes are really slow. And you think, wow, I'm, I am, I may not make it because of other people way up ahead. When I finally got there, we had clouds coming in and I, I, in that picture, it's actually a short video and I, there was snow and I didn't even realize there was snow. All I could focus on was change up my oxygen, get something to eat, get something to drink, get a picture and then take, take off because I didn't want to descend in a whiteout. Um, I did feel strongly, though, Trend Micro supported me on this trip. And, and you know, it's, I had to take two months off work. And and they it was no question, go, go, we will, you know, we'll take care of the business. And so it wasn't like the, as though Trend sponsored me or even asked me to take out the Trend Micro flag. That wasn't it at all. It, I just yeah. felt strongly that I got such support from the team, my teammates, the senior executive team, that it was it was my pleasure to do that. And so you see the top, but it was snowing a bit and it was getting cloudy. And so I didn't spend a lot of time up there. And that's really a regret of mine. I wish I could have just let it sink in, like absorb it. But I was getting frantic because I was really tired and there, we were facing clouds. And I knew from reading all my books, the most logical thing is to descend because, um, you know, you, I, I was at this point where I was like completely depleted of all resources. I was tired. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I'm glad to hear that Trend Micro uh, supported you that way. And it doesn't surprise me. Trend Micro, for those of you who don't know, is a leading uh, security software company. Um, I've known Trend Micro for the better part of the last 20 years. Your CEO, Eva Chen, an old friend of mine, and she is an amazing an amazing leader uh, and innovator. So and to hear that they gave you the support you needed when you summited in 2018 is absolutely heart, you know, heartwarming. Um, and I want to tell you, though, is that I, I do understand somewhat of your experience, though, in terms of the thin air. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, I was in Peru. Uh, and I was up in Puno in the Andes, about 15,000 feet, and I felt that altitude sickness, and it's not fun. I nearly spilt my cappuccino. It was really... <laughs> that is tragic, Larry. Really it really, it truly is. I mean, you know, we... Mm-hmm. You know, we all have, you know, it's, it's all, of, we all have our burdens, right? Um, yeah. I, I, you know, though, you do speak about this. Uh, in fact, I, you know, and I hope I don't embarrass you by saying this, because I have talked with some of your peers and some people who have heard your story at, you know, when you t- retell it at various, uh, various functions, and they describe you as a motivational speaker that they find that your experiences in doing this in your training and in this one particular accomplishment is truly not just being inspirational in and of itself, but how it translates into the way that you conduct yourself in your business world and how you conduct yourself in life. And I'm, I'm curious because I wrote down, I want things I thought of when I was, when I was looking at all this is that adventurous persistence, resilience, acceptance, and stepping out, um, and on top of that, as I said, we started this conversation about being able to take measured risk. 
you know, how did that experience translate into, you know, like I said, these are my interpretations, but also from what others have said about you, how does this translate into what you do in the channel and in the technology market? Well, I, I want to say thank you. Those are that's a really nice compliment, and that's to, to think that I can motivate people just from doing something that I love is is really touching. Um, so thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Um, translating it to the cyber world, the channel chief world, the team. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of acceptance, and I feel like my next journey, if I will, is to help that next generation of leaders, and it really is encouraging them, knowing that they, uh, you know, showing them that they're stronger than they think they are, and that was the one thing I learned from Everest. I had to change my mindset, and once I changed it, and once I recognized this is painful, this is hard, this is not something most people do, this, 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 once I, I made that, that switch, I, it was an easier path forward. And I mentor a number of people, and I talk to our next set of leaders, and it's always, the, well, if this, then that, I, I have anxiety about this, I, I feel this, and like, okay, let it go. It's it's natural. It's human. It's human to feel this, that, and the other. Let it go. And if you let it go, then what does the path forward look like? And that was my journey. When I let it all go, accepted the pain, the fear, the risk, the what ifs, it was, I don't know what the right word is. I mean, it's more than eye-opening. It's more than transformative. I just don't have a word to describe that, but I want to impart that, like, you are strong, the next set of leaders are, we're all really strong, sometimes we just don't push ourselves to that point where our switch change, like, we turn on that that switch, right. and that's what I want people to understand, they're, people are strong, but if you put those barriers, like, what if, what if, what if, it's like, well, what if I wouldn't have gotten to the summit, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have found my inner soul my strength yeah we all have it yeah you know i'm gonna give you a word but okay. for everything you were just saying okay. liberating yes what you were you're describing yeah. was liberating because you yeah. know i because I, I, I have to you know and like i want to relate this because we you know on changing channels we do talk about how we comport ourselves in the channel in the technology world um, but I think it's important because when you did decide whether it was your first mountain, your 10th mountain, apparently there's, you know, you've summited 172 mountains or something like that. Uh, <laughs> <Say that. laughs> uh, but, but look, one of the things that, you know, and I have read fair amount about what it's like to actually go to Everest there in what, not just the weather, but just your own physical conditions, a number of people who go there don't make it. And I'm not talking to those who have died on the mountain. I mean that, you know, either they get injured or they can't acclimate to the conditions or they're just not physically capable of doing it. There is always a risk of failure. Right. And it's known going into it that there's a high probability of that. One of the things I find in, in our business, though, is that we have a number of people around us that have a, an aversion to failure. And it's like there's this thought that failure is something that will – you know, it will ruin your career. It will de decrease your compensation. It will keep you from getting your next job. And then they avoid risk. I mean, what do you say to them about, you know, is, is this part of what your journey has been is like, 
don't be afraid to take that risk. Be liberated. And yes, you may fail, but how else are you going to move forward? Yes. And that's one of the, one, it's one point that I talk about when I do talk about Everest that um, if you don't take that risk, then what? If you add in the what's, the what ifs, the buts, if I did that, I would never have made the summit. I've never, have what, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's way too easy to say, oh, but, but if, you know, it's going to be cold, it's going to be risky, it's going to be this, that, that or the other. I will say that the, the one thing I did have to, mentally change was, and I'll tie this back to business in a second, was I liked being in control of things, but on Everest, there are so many things that you're not in control of. And I was getting stressed preparing for the trip, you know, six months, I'm always trained, but six months beforehand, I would, I trained really, really, really hard. And I decided that I am going to, I, I have to let go of the things that I can't control and I'm going to be in control of the things I can be most in control of. And I decided I'm going to take away the weather. I can't, I can't control the weather. I can't necessarily control my own health. I will be healthy, but I can't. There's some things that are just part of Everest. I can't control who's on the team, their experience, et cetera. What I could control is my fitness. So I decided I'm going to let everything else go and be most in control of my fitness. And when I stepped on that mountain, I was more fit than I've ever been in my life. And when I tie that back to business, if I think about, you know, a big project that I'm on or a big, you know, we have to meet a certain set of revenue. Well, there are multiple teams involved in that, like those big, big things that we're looking to get done in our business lives. And I have taken this mindset that I've learned from Everest and I recognize there's so many things I can't control in business, but where I can be in control of, that's where I'm going to excel. And if other things fall off, it's not because I didn't try it. I became to the table 1000% like fit for that certain project, that deal, whatever it is. I can't be in control of everything. So I let it go, but I focus on what is within my control. And that's where I excel every single time. Right. So Louise, you and I were recently at an event in uh, California and, yeah. and, and I have to say live and in person, which was new, I, I had to, had to relearn what it meant to be around people again. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I noted, because you and I were in several conversations together, is when people, you know, when people come together, there tends to be a tendency towards homogenization. Mm -hmm. right is that we all sort of gravitate towards okay what's the right thing to say what's the safe spot that we can get to so that we're not offensive and we're not uh we're not outside the norm but one of the things i noticed in your commentary when you're in different conversations is that you stepped out of that you i don't want to say that so much as describe you as a contrarian mm -hmm. but you were in my impression an unabashed pragmatist you know it does you know I find that to be courageous. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it's, there's, you know, that takes a lot to step out and say things that may not necessarily be seen as the most popular or not in the mainstream. I think that is another compliment. So thank you. And I'm not looking to be contrarian or, but I'm looking to have an opinion, a voice and not be afraid of what other people think. And I, you know, I talk about mentoring other, you know, the next generation. I find that's what people get bogged down by. What is, what's someone going to think? And I'm like, 
doesn't matter. As long I keep saying to everyone, as long as you're a good person, you have a good heart and you're not being mean, what does it matter if you step outside and you have a voice so you are a pragmatist? Is it going to hurt? No. I always look at where's the person's heart. And if they have a differing opinion or even if I hate it, it's okay. They, if their heart's in the right place. And that's what I always look for. And I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I remember some of the instances where I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I agree with this as it relates to the channel, because I have a different view of things in the channel because I'm looking at the next, the next, the next. And I, I, I actually enjoy change and I enjoy risk and I enjoy pivoting. And I see this massive opportunity in the channel where we are right now in the channel. I've been in the channel for you know, majority of my career. And it's been, you know, steady state for a really long time. And the fact that we have this transformation just beyond our, it's, it's exciting. I think it's, I think we need to, we need to jump in. And I, I, I think there's some people who are, you know, they, the change is uncomfortable. The risk is something they want to avoid. The fear is too much. Whereas I, I enjoy it. And so it's easy to jump, look, okay, let's go, let's go here. Let's try, fail, fail, try. And I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. And that's, maybe that's a difference. I don't know. But we're, I, we have, yeah. Yeah, no, it, but it really, it, it really is though, is that it's, it's, you know, I, I'll tell you, you know, being a, an advisor and a, uh, an architect of the things that you and your peers do, I, I always get amused when somebody says, Hey, can you know come up with something different? Come up with something new. We wanna be we wanna be out on the bleeding edge and then you show it to them and they say, All right, who's done this before and can you prove it works? Right. All right. No, yes. we can't, yes. but you know, you know um you know, but I think that's it's it is an apt point though, is that we are on you know, we it, I don't wanna say we're on the precipice. We're in the midst of it. We're in the thick of change. Yeah. Um and to, and if you're and I, and this is something I tell people is that if you think you're going to move forward by looking at the past, you've already lost the game. I think that's a very, it's very well said. Yes. Yeah. 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 We had, yeah. So we have to solve for tomorrow, not solve for yesterday or, you know, the military people would say, don't fight the last war. I think you can take those experiences with you and, and help shape your decisions or your, what it is you're going to do in the future and knowing lessons learned. But does it, does it mean that your decisions are based on the past or maybe you just kind of, it just helps you make different decisions based on your, your lessons learned. You know, that's right. Yeah. 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 So I, I do want to ask you, which is more difficult though? Is this climbing a mountain or QBRs? <laughs> How about I'll rephrase it. Climbing a mountain is more exciting than a QBR. <laughs> I really like the excitement of it. QBR, you know, necessary, but I don't know. There's a, yeah. How's that for an answer? Is that a good I, answer? You know what? I do like that answer. Uh, I want to ask you, though, what was your what was your favorite mountain besides Everest? You know, I I'm always looking for what are the lessons I've learned in that mountain. And I learned a lot climbing Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc is the highest mountain in uh, Western Europe, and it's located in France. And if I can just get a smidge of time, I'll tell you what the lesson learned was. No, and please, it, go, ahead, go ahead, because I love their pens. <laughs> okay. Yes, they do make good pens, but there's also a beautiful mountain <laughs> named Mont Blanc in France. 
And, you know, it's to, I, I'm going to say it's all my, my, uh, my women out there, if you will. Okay. So when you're climbing mountains, majority of the climbers are men. And when we left the hut that night, you know, I knew it was, I, it was mostly men. There was, I don't, I think there were two other women in the hut and, but there were like a hundred people anyways, going, moving forward. When we're climbing, it was me and I had hired a private guide and we were going forward and people were turning back, turning back. And it was, you know, it was men and they were shaking their heads, no summit, no summit. And I kept getting into my head, well, if they can't summit, I can't summit because I'm not as strong as they are. I'm not this, I'm not that. Thankfully, I had a guide who said, well, let's just try. So every hour we, we stopped, we took some food, some water. We made sure we could still feel our hands. It was a really, really cold, windy, windy day. And I kept thinking, I can't do it. I can't do it because the majority of the people coming back are men and they're going to be this, that, and the other better than me. And we made the summit. We stopped every hour to make sure we could still feel our fingers, toes, and we made it. And we were the only ones on the summit at that particular time. It was his 30th summit and he had never been on the summit alone. And I, I realized that if I let people get in my head, because they were this person or whatever, I almost didn't make that summit. And I realized I, I am on my own journey, just like you, Larry, are on yours. And just because I can't do something doesn't mean that you can't just because, and I, it wasn't fair to these, these men that, you know, I, I'm not taking their journey. They're not taking mine. And I realized that on the mountain, I am on my own journey and let it be mine. They're on theirs. Let it be theirs. And it was a big lesson. I use that a lot. Don't, I'm on my own journey and that's okay. That was okay. my life lesson if I'm Mont Blanc. Good you know, <laughs> That is an amazing lesson. I have to say my takeaway was you beat the men. So, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if I beat them, but on that day, there were very, very, very few people that summited and, um, out of and I just we just knew the stats that day so I'm not saying I'm better than anyone it was just I'm just grateful I didn't I I didn't turn around because I let someone else get into my head and it's not because they told me to turn around either I was getting in my head they're stronger they're better they're this and no that's not the case at all well I, I will uh, if you don't mind I'm gonna offer this at all risk of mansplaining okay. um, but this is I think what you're what you're saying is truly uh, valuable for those who have any sub doubts or they encounter any obstacles, any of the you know, the traditional gender obstacles. You know, we are living in an age of diversity. We should be living in an age of more diversity and inclusion. And what you're saying is absolutely right. Is that nothing should you know nothing should hold the individual back. No, we all have our strengths, and our strengths are all different. And we should celebrate. We should celebrate difference and diversity, and and we should be all inclusive. I'm. Yeah, I, I think it's the right, it's, it is the right thing. It's not that I think it is the right thing to do. And um, we all have our different strengths. And, you know, on the mountains, you know, men are stronger, like physically, you know, um, muscles. Women have endurance, though. And on these climbs, endurance is what plays into what makes you successful. So, you know, everyone has their strengths. You you know, men might have the, the, the brute force strength, but, you know, women have got some endurance. And that played a big part of my success on Everest because he was my first try on Everest and you know a 19 hour summit day is long oh my gosh that hurts <laughs> that's on top of six weeks right so it was a yeah, it was a long journey but you know the endurance paid off 
So let's go out on that note, because as we mentioned a few minutes ago, that we are amidst a, a tremendous amount of transformation, a tremendous amount of change. Yeah. Um, how important is endurance in terms of developing these same muscles, this same point of view, this same persistence in driving forward these the, the change in, in the results that are required by businesses like Trend Micro? So I think it's, I think it's a whole, it's a whole lot of strengths. It's not just one, but I think when I'm hiring someone, it's not, I'm looking for someone who has, you know, he can come to the table in different ways. I'm not looking for a cookie cutter approach. And I think we all have, we all have to think different, act different. And the, I think, you know, if someone had said, oh, all of the men on that, on your team are going to summon Everest, but the women are, you're weaker, therefore you have less of a chance. What a disservice we're doing, right? And I think we have to, I always look at when I'm hiring, I want the best person for the team. It's not a particular type of person. It's the best person. And the best comes in all different, all different ways. And I love it. And it, it's great. I always learn something from people and it's it's nice to get out of your comfort zone i love getting out of my comfort zone and yeah there's you learn more when you do get out of that comfort zone i hope i answered your question you know what there was no wrong answer to that question that's the beautiful part of it but you did and i couldn't agree with you more you know mm -hmm. there is absolutely no growth in the comfort zone right? no there isn't yeah and it's fun being out of your comfort zone it might be hard and it might be you know, uncomfortable, but I think there's, I think you learn more and you appreciate it more and you're than ever before. I still look at my pillow at home and go, wow, that's the best invention ever. Cause when you don't have a pillow for seven weeks, like this is awesome. Yeah. You don't have a shower for seven weeks. Yeah. So get out of your comfort zone. Everything becomes beautiful again. I was going to say, I would have gone with the shower before the pillow, but you know, each their own. So both, yes. Louise McAvoy, the Vice President of U.S. Channels at Trend Micro. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing, us, you know, sharing with us you know, your, your adventures and the lessons you learned from climbing Everest and how you apply that to channels. My pleasure. Again, thank you for the invitation to join. It was, it was a real pleasure to talk about my favorite topic. Thank you. All right. And everyone, as we always say, technology is changing the world and changing the way we consume our own technology. And we're going to continue tracking that here at Changing Channels. So please join us again next time. Until then, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.